What up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What's good, Laker Nation? Got another good one for all you fans of the purple and gold. How can the Lakers fix this shaky offense? Is Marcus All a problem or a solution? When will we see Drummond again? And will they fill that final roster spot? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms. We're on Twitter at Showtime underscore Forum. We're also on Instagram at Showtime Forum. And you can always follow us on our website, the ShowtimeForum.com. That's the T H E ShowtimeForum.com. Chaz. Chris. I hope you had a good Easter, man. What did it do, baby? Yeah, it was good. It was nice, relaxing, nice weekend. Not a cloud in the sky, barely, if any. <laughs> nice sunny weekend. How was your Easter, man? It was good. It was good. Got together with some family and whatnot, you know, try to try to keep everything socially distant as much as we could and avoid the contact. But it was still good to see some people and kind of almost felt somewhat normal, you know, stark contrast from where we were at a year ago. So hope everyone had a happy and healthy and safe Easter weekend. And uh, unfortunately though, Chaz, it did come with a bit of a downer. The Lakers had an afternoon matinee with their hallway rival, the LA Clippers are only their second meeting of their year. The first, the first time these two teams have met since opening night. And for the Clippers, this was a much different squad than they saw on opening night. No Anthony Davis, no LeBron James, Andre Drummond still out with the, with that toe injury that he suffered in his Laker debut against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Lakers who had come into that game playing some pretty decent basketball winners out of three out of four beating teams that they should have been able to be even, you know, sans uh, LeBron and, and AD and Drummond. And they were really able to do that. Clippers had lost two in a row against the Orlando magic and the Denver nuggets. So they were trying to get on track. Lakers are trying to stay on track and the Clippers before the seats were warm, were up 10 2 and they never looked back. Marcus Morris came out, basically hit every shot he put up. Reggie Jackson played well. Um, Rondo made his debut was a little rusty, but still you saw flashes of what he's capable of doing. And the Clippers just ran the Lakers out of the building. Lakers scored a season low 38 points in that first half. And it didn't really get much better in the second half either. And well, they dropped another one to an elite team, Chaz. That's becoming a theme so far in this situation, minus LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah, they only scored 20 points or more or more than 20 points in the final quarter. And that was just the fourth quarter. They scored 31 uh, points, but only finished with 86. It's been a struggle just to even get to 100. Right. The Lakers have only gotten to over 100 twice out of these last nine games that they've played. So right. and, and they've lost six of the last nine. So we are not trending in the right direction uh, right now. And I'm pretty worried as far as how long the slide is going to go on for. You know, it could go on for another couple of weeks, realistically. Um, you know, KCP had some really good comments today, you know, just even kind of even showing a little bit of light that Anthony Davis might or is in the process of possibly coming back in the next week or two at the very soonest, you know, saying that they're joking around like, hey, maybe you can give us a five minutes tomorrow. And Anthony Davis is, you know, obviously traveling with the team. News Liz LeBron is traveling with the team on this East Coast road trip. So I expect to see That's him. That's great on the bench. So, you know, I know it's a topic of conversation amongst so many people, not only in the Twitter sphere, but also on the radio and some of the, your favorite talk shows as well. But I thought it was a non-issue and we'll see him on the bench moving forward. And I think we'll be able to see LeBron James back on the, on the floor with his teammates by the end of the, uh, by the end of the month, but getting back specifically to the, the loss against the Clippers, my girlfriend asked me a question. She was like, why are you even watching this? And I was just like, I got a pod to do on Monday night. <laughs> right, right. But, but even more over than that, right? Even even more over than that, like I I watched games with Andrew Goudlock and Chris Kamen and Jordan Hill. Like this is just ride or die, man. That's just yeah, I hear you, man. When, you, when you bleed purple and gold, you bleed purple and gold. And you know, I'm always gonna watch just so that way I could see any kind of bright spot that we could even take a look at. And I'll I'll highlight that first before I even get to 
how dejected I was after this loss also because it is still the Clippers at the end of the day. Right. Well, right. of course. Yeah. And, and to be quite honest, if anyone thought based on how the Clippers lost Thursday night or how the Lakers won Friday night, if they thought that that was going to translate to the type of game that where the Lakers were going to smoke them out of the building, it just wasn't going to be that way. The only thing that I talked about with Jonathan Watson on the Showtime Forum post game that we're doing on IG Live was My the guy. fact that if Paul George, oh, yeah, he's fantastic. If Paul George goes down because of that lingering toe issue, now the at least the playing field is a little bit more level. But if the Clippers, I, I understand they're down Serge Ibaka, they're down Patrick Beverly, but let's be honest, those two guys are replaceable within the lineup. You know, it creates more opportunities for guys like Terrence Mann and Zubak. And, you know, the, the Terrence Mann is a player. Let's just great. start there. He is really good. Right. So my point being is unless Paul George went down, this was going to be a tough game for the Lakers to win. And I don't know how many people actually had the Lakers winning this game, but we all wanted to see more of a competitive game. And when you saw the type of offensive display they put on up in Sacramento against the Kings, getting revenge for, you know, the, the loss that they had. Uh, back in, uh, when was it like earlier in March, right? Uh, right before the all-star break, it was, it was tough. You know, it was definitely, it was definitely tough to go from that extreme to what we saw offensively. The three point shots were not falling. They were not getting great. Look, give, give Clippers defense some credit. No, qu no question about it. I'm not going to take anything away from them. They played a very solid game, but it's easier to game plan against this team when you don't have stars to account for. Now, the guys that normally could find the holes in the offense. Now you're cra cracking down on Kuzma. You're cracking down on Dennis Schroeder. You're cracking down on Montrez Harrell. And no one ever really got into a good offensive rhythm, maybe except for Taylor Horton Tucker and Marcus all of all people. We'll get to Mark in a sec. So what I've noticed is this against the really good teams, their offense is going to struggle because teams like the Clippers teams like the, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're solid defensively. They may not be great. They may not be all world, but they're solid enough defensively to keep that Laker offense in check against teams like Sacramento, Cleveland. You know, I, I know it wasn't a great game against Orlando. They missed a lot of shots, but they were getting good shots. Those are the shots. games. Those are the games that you could go off and really stretch your wings out offensively because those teams are terrible. I mean, they're, they're just not good defensive teams. So that's unfortunately going to be this trend. This is why you're going to see an offensive struggle because you don't have a command presence like LeBron James or Anthony Davis that could clean up anything just based on sheer talent and playmaking alone. And I noticed another thing, guys are going to try to win it by themselves. So you get away from the game plan, the, the actual game plan that Frank Vogel and his coaching staff have in place, the ball movement, moving it side to side, working it inside out. Now it's just a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. It's a lot of one pass shoot, two pass shoot, two dribble shoot. So there's no ball movement. And when guys aren't getting involved offensively, it's going to translate to struggles on the defensive end as well. So that's what I saw in that Clipper loss. And, and even in the Milwaukee loss last week. Yeah. I, I mean, the Clippers had all five of their starters, the lowest plus minus had was a plus 15. The highest was plus 24. The Lakers didn't have a single player in their starting five that was in the, even in the plus column. Yeah. Uh, Montrose Harrell had, yeah, Montrose Harrell had 19 points. Marcus Gasol, of all people, was the only starter in double figures. So yeah. not only were the Lakers outmanned and outgunned, obviously, but they the Clippers played almost as well as they could, and the Lakers played as bad as they could especially on the offensive end. Um, defensively, they still held them to 104 points. They've been fourth in defensive efficiency ever since LeBron James and Anthony Davis um, have been out of the lineup. So the Lakers have always been able to play great defense under Frank Vogel, and that was his, you know, his stamp and what, what Frank Vogel was always thought of as a defensive coach. But this offense is sputtering right now. And just to kind of give you an idea and put it into context as well, the Lakers weren't like a top five offense before AD and LeBron went out. They were still 10th. And yeah. then after, and then AD goes out and then they dropped to 24th. And then since then, you know, since LeBron James has been out, they're 29th in offensive efficiency. So on top of that, they're not even passing the ball and moving the ball the way that they need to. Like you mm -hmm. said, too much one-on-one, -on -one, too much ISO, not enough cutting ball movement. Marcus all said something after the game. He said, you have to burn an extra calorie for the next man, meaning you have to move and and have cuts off the ball so that way people can be able to pass the ball and find open shots. And 
not only have open shots, but make open shots. I was surprised that Caruso shot well based off of his, you know, three-point percentage. But when Schroeder and Caruso aren't playing well and they can't even create for others, then this offense, like you said, is just going to continue to spiral and nosedive. And we're at least in the next couple of weeks away. And there's a lot of games that are coming up on this schedule, especially on this road trip, starting with Toronto, who just blew out the Golden State Warriors by damn near 60 points the other yeah. night. And they and, won on Monday uh, on a game-winning three by Laker killer Gary Trent Jr. So now the Lakers have to get another look at a guy that's burned them in the past. So, yeah, I mean, that game is not going to be a gimme right there. No, no, not at all. You still got to face the number one offense in the league in the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday. Uh, you still, you know, are going to have to face other East Coast teams. But luckily, you know, you have the majority of your guys there, right? Like, no one else has been injured except for Wesley Matthews right. Who has, who has the next strain. Right. And then Andre Drummond, you know, you can't catch a break off that. I mean, the guy's toenail com- came completely off and yeah. we'll talk about it more in the next time. You know, though, there was a picture of him dunking on Instagram. There on was, I was just about that. to say that, yeah. that the, the word is dude can't even get on his shoe, but somehow I see on the Instagram live that he's dunking somehow. So that leads me to believe that he's more than likely probably going to play soon, but you know, there's no official word and, Obviously, Frank Vogel always likes to keep his cards close to his chest by not even announcing his lineup until the league mandated 30 minutes prior to tip off. So, um, but getting back to how the guys have been playing, I've just, yes, you beat the Kings, you know, yes, you beat Cleveland, yes, you beat Orlando, but you're supposed to beat those teams, right? Like, I got it. Like, the reason why Frank, Frank Vogel and Rob Polinka put this roster together is because they knew at some point, given the shortest layoff that anybody has ever had in a season and having pretty much almost the oldest player in the game, who is also the best player in the game in LeBron James, who's 36 years old, you're going to have some kind of backup. You got to have some kind of extra firepower. And those guys were supposed to be Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. Now Montrez Harrell has played great. Um, yes, yeah. I, I have, I have no qualms with him whatsoever. He's played hard. He comes out, he gives everything he's got. He's even giving you step back Jays. Um, my only gripe with Montrez is that Frank Vogel doesn't play him enough. But true, yeah. This the other guy, Dennis Schroeder, he's losing me day by day. The number one thing that the Lakers are having an issue with is getting easy buckets, getting people into position, and sharing the ball the way that they need to. Whose job is that? It's definitely on Schroeder. I mean, because Caruso is not a playmaking guard, and you're seeing Caruso's even efficiency and usage. It, that's been a problem. Uh, the efficiency, especially because he's turning the ball over. That's been another problem with this Laker offense is the fact that there are a lot of turnovers. You know, we, we talked about how they were trying to take everyone one-on-one. Well, sometimes it's the exact opposite problem with this offense where they're trying to do too much overpass and indecisive. And when you're indecisive and, and you make poor decisions, guess what? You're going to turn the ball over. So you could definitely tell that this group, it's really hit or miss you know it early on whether or not they have it. But then again, you say to yourself, well, they had it against Milwaukee in that first quarter. Right. But it didn't last long. They they shot the lights out from downtown. That's why they were ahead. But after that, what happened? Two for 23, the next three quarters from downtown against Milwaukee, the turnovers became a problem. And then the Bucs just kind of quickly took advantage of that and never looked back. So you can't, it's, shoot, you can't shoot seven for 23. Like, so it's been a, no, no, you can't, you can. And, and that was their, their percentage against the Clippers. But my point being is I think you hit the nail on the head, a sputtering offense, a shaky offense, an inconsistent offense, an offense that's indecisive of what it wants to do. And I think that's why you see guys go one-on-one. Cause it's like, I, I I'm unsure who to trust right now because certain guys' confidence is shaky as it is like KCP, like Wesley Matthews, who even with LeBron and AD were struggling to make shots consistently. So it's like, screw it. I'm going to take, I'm going to take it one-on-one. So I agree. I think Schroeder has been a problem initiating the offense. And I think at times what he has to do, get into attack mode, establish yourself first make the defense key in on you. And then once they start doing that, maybe that could open things up for the Kuzma's, the KCP's, the Matthews, the Caruso's, et cetera. I think when I saw yesterday, I'm going to turn it back over to you just for a second. What I saw yesterday was an offense that was stagnant because 
he was stagnant. He did not come out with a lot of energy, a lot of fire, a lot of passion. I did not see that. I kind of saw him surveying. And this was a problem that we had with Rondo during the regular season last year, where it's like, dude, what are you doing? Just go, go attack, go attack. Because I guarantee you, you attacking is better than you trying to survey and try to get cute with something. And I've seen pockets of that from Dennis Schroeder. And I saw it at the beginning of yesterday's game. And that's why the offense was stagnant up until Keith rattling off seven in a row. But by that point, the Clippers were already, you know, in, in a great rhythm on both ends of the floor. Rolling hit for, for their first five. Marcus Morris came out with a vengeance. Obviously this is the first game. I'm not sure if this is the, if this is what they said, but I think I heard Keith say that this is the first game that they both started against each other in the same game. So they just, right. They, they've all, they've either played together or, or somebody came off the bench. Obviously they've been on the floor together, you know, like I said, playing together in Phoenix or, you know, with different teams. But I think this is the first time he said that they started against each other and That's cool. they both came out. Yeah, it was great. You know, <laughs> they both had great starts. Um, Mark is better than Keith. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game, especially when Dennis Schroeder has Reggie Jackson on him. And he didn't attack. He, you know, is kind of care. That's the thing. You can't be careless with the ball either and have these kind of kinds of turnovers. Right. And being and at the same time turning down $84 million over four years, which is a report that came from Mark Stein and Brian Windhorst of the Hoop Collective podcast. Right. $21 million is more than what I'm willing to pay Dennis Schroeder, especially right now. Like I want to pay him thir- I want to pay him 13 to 15 right now based on how he's playing, but Again, you have somebody like Drew Holiday that's making $40 million a year over the next four years with his $160 million max contract that he signed with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks a few days ago. So, you know, you're resetting the market for the point guard market and Dennis Schroeder is is loving that that deal got signed because, you know, he wants more than $100 million and it looks like he's going to get it. If he keeps playing like this, there's no way Rob Plunkett can vouch for that. There's got to be other ways and I'll be with him by letting Dennis Schroeder walk, um, even though you traded Danny Green for him, but that gets $15 million off the books and so on and so forth. But I'm just, I, look, the effort has to be there. You, you can be encouraged about wins against Sacramento and Orlando and, every, and Cleveland, but those are bad teams and bad teams for a reason. If you can come out against Brooklyn, Toronto, teams like that, teams that you're going to have to face possibly you know, moving down the line and playing in a, in a, together, then, you know, we might have a chance. But this is proven to me, obviously, I already know, but this should prove to everybody how valuable LeBron James is. This is the first time that I heard this team even talk about not being able to trust each other. Oh, we have to trust each other. When did we stop trusting each other? As, as, the, as the reigning defending champions, you know, like, was that the day that LeBron James went out, out of the lineup? Was that the day AD went out of the lineup? Like, those are the things that are starting to get my my gears turning because when Kuzma said that, um, obviously there, there's a lack of trust somewhere between some relationship. It's not coming from nowhere. And, and the and the problem I think is, as well is you don't have the same veteran presence out there either where a lot of these guys are still new to each other, Chaz, where they haven't been through the trenches with one another. Last year was a normal season up until March. So they had the normal practice times they had the normal training camp they had even a mini camp down in vegas that they traveled together so that trust was there and it never floundered even through the low moments of the season the four game losing streak having to put together the put back the pieces mentally and physically after losing kobe bryant that's what made that team special they went through so many experiences together even during the shutdown staying in communication with each other, going over things via Zoom, being in constant contact. I don't know if this team has that same kind of kind of camaraderie because they haven't been together that long. They didn't have they, they haven't been playing through a normal season. Yeah, so, but the majority of the guys have though, Chris. Right. I know we, but, I know I know we got four new players, but the majority of the core of the team are still those guys. They they are, but maybe we undervalued how important guys like Quinn Cook, Dwight Howard, JaVale, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, Rondo, 
when you have guys like that who are at a stage in their career where all they're focused on is winning and making sure that everybody else is focused on winning, then you start to see that camaraderie really build up and, and be able to overcome almost anything. This group, I'm not sure if it hasn't. Not to say that they're a bad group or even that they're disconnected. I also think, though, too, it's like we're trying to find ways to win ball games. So that's where the trust factor comes in as well. It's like, how are we going to do it? The way we were set up to do it was centered around these two guys, and we're going to kind of feed off of that. Now we have to readjust our games to figure out how, how do we score points? How do we score points at a high level? Who's going to take charge? What's our pecking order? We've seen them struggle. I'm sure that even the coaching staff is like, yeah, we got something to figure out here, but what's, what's the solution? Is it Coos? Is it Schroeder? Is it Gasol? Is it, is it, you know, uh, uh, THT? What's really the solution? And I think that's why it's been inconsistent and why there's a lack of trust because when things are sputtering, like you said, it forces guys to say, you know what? I got it. Like I said earlier, I got to take this over. I got to get, take this over. Let me do it. No, no, no. I'm going to do it. So then it becomes a more selfish, your turn, my turn, his turn type of offense. You know what I mean? And that's, that, that leads to, to the problems. But I think those other things that I mentioned, I think those other things I mentioned also factor into it as well. That, that camaraderie to stay with one another, even, even in, in bleak times, like, like they're dealing with right now with these injuries. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Now, as far as moving forward, though, as far as Mark, Mark Gasol goes, he had a lot to say in his post game, and I thought he played well against the Clippers. And he, like I said, he was the only person in double figures mm-hmm. against against the Clippers with eleven points. Um, had some great passes. Had a, a really nice pass to Caruso in the Kings game for a great dunk that Caruso had on Friday night. Um, but what do you think? How, what is your impression of Marcus all moving forward now that, you know, AD is still out Drummond is out still currently. Yeah. And Marcus all has, you know, a lot to say talking about that. He doesn't want to be the C and the option. I'll let you get the first crack at that. And then I'll, I'll follow up really quick. You know, Mark has been a lot more poignant on this than I think we all expected. I think we, we expected Mark to have that veteran mentality wherever, whatever you need me, I'm going to do the best I can for you. Obviously the Andre Drummond pickup, we all knew what it meant for him. It meant his days as a starter or even having a more prominent role within this offense was going to probably be numbered and he was going to be relegated to a backup center. And we don't even know what those minutes are going to be like because Trez usually plays the backup center position. So the, the issue became him not willing or wanting or feeling like, oh man, you're relegating me to this. And it's like, well, dude, we've had issues with paint protection. We've had issues with you staying on the court because of foul trouble. You were just, you just missed three weeks because of COVID. So, you, you know, which is great that you recovered from that, but you know, you haven't really given us a reason to not want to pursue other avenues. That's the issue. The guys that you replaced, meaning JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard last year, they knew who they were. They knew they weren't going to play a ton of minutes, but they also knew when they were out there, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to block shots, alter shots, rebound, rim run, finish around the rim. That's, that's what I'm going to do. And when I'm not playing, I'm going to be out there cheering on whoever is playing and, and, and provide that spark. And that obviously paid major dividends, especially in the bubble with no fans. What I heard from Marcus Saul was basically a player whose ego was hurt, who I think has had a hard time for some reason coming to grips with, with where he's at in his career, which is funny to me because if I recall correctly, two years ago when he had a little bit more value, a little more bounce in his step, a little bit slimmer, he was not finishing games for Toronto, not in the playoffs. It was some combination of Ibaka, Siakam, Kawhi, Danny Green, Van Vliet, Powell, or Lowry. Some combination of those seven, eight guys. He would play 15, 16 minutes, start the first quarter, start the third quarter, and that would be it. Not to say he didn't make an impact, but you weren't playing heavy minutes then. You weren't playing heavy minutes in the, in the bubble. What did you really think was going to happen? Not to mention you're playing poorly, forcing us to go after greener pastures because you're not really doing a ton. And that's why we got Andre Drummond. 
I was very complimentary of Mark Gasol after the Sacramento win. I thought he was brilliant. Thought it was his best game as a Laker, to be quite honest with you. Just the impact he made on both ends of the floor. So when True. he makes comment, when he makes comments like that, and everybody has been complimentary, Vogel has talked about what a pro he is, and he's a winner, he's this, he's that, all the great things that he does, how respected he is, and then he still comes out and he says those things. I get it, but you've got to keep some of that stuff in-house a little bit more and stop leaking stuff toward the media because that does not bode well for yourself or for team morale in a critical juncture where we need everybody to stay positive, stay locked in, stay together. That's where I saw Marcus Saul as both a problem and a solution at the same time. Who would have thought that JaVale McGee as a Laker would have been more professional than Marcus Saul? Let that sink in for a little bit. JaVale McGee was a starter that didn't finish games. No, rarely. In the, in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. As well as the finals. And you didn't hear a peep publicly, but Marcus all somehow feels the need to be able to come out publicly and say, oh man, I don't like the fact that I'm a C or a D option. <laughs> well, play like one. Yeah. Play like an A option. Play like a B option. You are averaging less than five points a game, two assists a game, less than 45% from the field. Yes, great. You, you recovered from COVID. You were out three weeks. Awesome. Even before then, you you weren't great. You were getting a laid on by any and everybody. How and many Mar- zero points, three foul stat lines did we see for a first half from this dude? I, I double digits within the first twenty games for sure. Sorry to interrupt, so, but I want no, I, no. I, thank you. Great point. I just, I just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, how dare you, right? Like this is Andre Drummond. This is somebody that's averaging that could average twenty and ten a game. You know, I'm. Um, in the right situation of and, and whose field goal percentage is through the roof, whose rebounding percentage is up there with Bob Pettit and Wilt Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Like, and we get him on the cheap and you are mad because you got to, you got to play behind Andre Drummond. Yeah. Get out of here, man. I'm, I'm, I told you, I, I know it sounded like a hot take. I would have traded Mark Gasol and a pick and a second to get JaVale McGee back mm-hmm. to, for this exact same role. Could you imagine JaVale McGee instead of being on Denver being with Andre Drummond and, and Anthony Davis and Montrez Harrell? Yeah. How much more formidable would that would that front line have been? No doubt. Just that just that one move. Mm-hmm. And at that you would be talking about, oh man, the Lakers, oh man. Just like how they were talking about with, with Andre Drummond as soon as he signed. So I just it really rubbed me the wrong way. I hate it that I felt this way because I have such an appreciation for his family, including his brother and right. him, and what he and what they've done just not only for the NBA, but just the sport of basketball as well on a worldwide level. And I was just disappointed to, to, for him to even, to even say that and to come out like he's, like he's tearing up the league, like he's averaging 15 and 10, like he's at least even shooting 50% from the field. I mean, dude has been trash. Let's just call it for what it yeah. is. Marcus all has been straight trash compared to what he could for- Chaz, from the dip, from the expectations aspect, if you go back and you listen to one of our podcasts back in, Um, You know, know, late November and stuff like that. We talked about, hey, Marcus Saul may not be the defensive presence that McGee and Howard are, but definitely offensively, he's going to help. You could run offense through him. He could block a shot or two. He could still rebound a little bit. He could still be an upgrade as far as playmaking goes on the offensive end. And he hasn't really even done that all that well. Not consistently anyway. And NBA centers, where does Marcus all rank? Right. Like that, that's what I'm, I'm I'm trying to look it up while I'm talking at the same time. But I'd be willing to bet that Marcus all in of the 30 centers in the league that start. Right. Marcus all has to be 25 through 30 in somewhere yeah. in there. And I'll, and by the end of the show, I'll have that stat just so that way I confirm. And that's not for sure. That's not crazy on this podcast, but he's hasn't been there. I, I'll, I'll cut right to the chase. I, it, I was disappointed for, to hear him say that. Now, do I want him to play better moving forward? Do I want him to continue to make great passes to Caruso and, and set other people up and, yeah. and be that person that is the engine that makes, you know, the back cuts go? Absolutely. I, you know, he's still a Laker at the end of the day. He's still wearing that purple and gold. And I'm, I'm still going to root for him, but nah, man, this, this ain't it. You're not supposed to let something like that come out of the locker room. Even if you do feel that way, you don't think JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard felt slighted after everything that they did sure. to get, to get to the Denver and the Houston series and not play respectively right. Right. and not even hear a peep. So that's it. That's my two cents on it. That's a great point. And it goes to show you that 
and I think LZ Granderson was saying this recently on 710 ESPN. It, it, we would have expected something like this, comments like this coming from Dwight Howard, given where what Dwight has accomplished in his career. Four-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner. At one point in time, the best center in the game. A perennial all-star. Probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. We would have expected that from Dwight Howard, given his issues in the past, talking about his role and how he was unhappy in, in Atlanta or unhappy in Charlotte or unhappy at this place or, you know, with Kevin McHale and, um, and James Harden, how unhappy he was there. So, I mean, we would have expected that. We, we shouldn't have expected this from Marcus, all considering where, where he's at in his career age-wise the types of things he should be valuing. And also too, this isn't like a sudden drop off. This has kind of been trending this way the last two or three years. And here's the thing. Here's the thing right now. He could still be a solution, you know, and I think it's up to Vogel and that coaching staff to still keep him locked in, run offense through him, especially right now where we talked about Schroeder and Caruso struggling to initiate the offense. Well, you've got a capable playmaker from a big man position who can make good decisions within the half court offense. And that's Marcus Saul. So if you need, if you need somebody to help organize things and maybe put guys in a better position to get higher quality shots, maybe Marcus Saul is that solution. Not to mention even defensively. Yes. He's not the athlete or, or the rim runner that those other names that we mentioned, even a guy like Andre Drummond, he's not those guys, right? No. He could still slide over. He still has a high IQ where he knows where to help, where to, where to slide his feet, what position on the floor to get to. So that way he could at least alter a shot, maybe not always block it, but alter it. So he can make an impact but, but both what? ends of the floor when he's engaged and locked in. And if you notice, as soon as they signed Drummond, he actually started playing better, even though Drummond we, went down. But why we got to sign somebody else that's better than you for you to play how you need to play before they even get there? I agree with you, but that's what it, unfortunately that's what it took to get this guy going a little see, bit. See what what good is it to know where you got to go if you're going to get there a step slow? That's not supposed to rhyme, but that's just how I'm I'm feeling. How you what you good is a few it? Bars or what? I'm gonna drop a few <laughs> bars on it. What good is it to know where you gotta go if you gonna know that you just gonna be a step slow? Like he's a step slow to any and every little everything. That's why he just gets laid on like that. And hey, man, I'm I, I'm not gonna harp, I'm not gonna harp on him. I'm not gonna I, harp I, on I just, it. Either, I just but call clearly, it like but clearly now this is a distraction, and this is some as if you didn't have enough to worry about with AD and LeBron's health, as well as Drummond's toe situation. Uh, now you've got this guy saying stuff in the media that is now the media could potentially, they're, they're going to keep him and this team under the microscope, especially if they continue to trend downward on this road trip, because this road trip has got a lot of tough games starting on Tuesday night. Well, it's actually started on Sunday, but I'm talking about actually traveling now against Toronto and then you got Brooklyn you got New York you got Miami you got a lot of tough teams on this on this road trip so it's not going to be easy Brooklyn New York Miami I mean those are three losses right there and maybe even Toronto <laughs> is a loss I'm just I'm telling you what I think more than likely I, they're going to drop those games I keep waiting for the Lakers I so ever since LeBron and AD got hurt I keep thinking like man okay like when are they going to win a game that they're not supposed to win. I agree. And I was like, okay, if this is really a championship team, you know, we've seen teams without their starters or without, you know, even on a good night, one good night, just beat a team that they have no business beating. This is the NBA. <clears throat> the end of the day. Right. But of these games that the Lakers have played without LeBron and AD, including the game that LeBron James missed the rest of versus the Hawks, they still couldn't even pull that win out, even though they got LeBron James for the whole first quarter. And like I said, I keep waiting for them to, to beat a team that I thought that Milwaukee game was going to be it. I really did. I, I thought that they, they came out with the right energy right. and they just couldn't. And for as well as they played in the first quarter and they were hitting almost everything. They wouldn't yeah. miss to hit as many shots as they did in the first quarter and miss as many in the next three quarters was just appalling to me. So maybe it'll be the rap. It'll be the Raptors. Maybe it'll be Brooklyn. Maybe it'll be Miami. I would assume that probably not. Uh, they'll probably end up beating New York, which isn't going to be a great win, you know, like or an easy win, I should say. Oh heck no! New York is playing. New York is well. playing. Yeah, you got to you got to play against Boston the first game back after. You got Charlotte. You got yeah. I mean, 
These next, yeah. And Charlotte shorthanded. Yeah, no, and Charlotte shorthanded now. They've obviously lost LaMelo Ball for the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they shut down Gordon Hayward for the rest of the season. He's out for the next four weeks with a sprained foot. Oh, he's out. Okay, I didn't know. Man, is that the the product? Okay, well, I think LaMelo Ball might come back. There's hope that he might come back. That's the word. We'll see where Charlotte is at. You know, Charlotte slides or something like that, and it gets They'll be in the play-in. They'll be in the play-in, but, I mean, do you really want to rush him back for a play-in where – waiting for you on the other end of that plan is any combination of Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami. That's, that's retooled. They picked up Trevor Reza. They just got Victor Oladipo. Uh, they, they've got a solid squad and they seem to be playing a lot better lately. New York is playing really well. So you got about four or five teams in the Eastern conference that are legit, that are going to be tough outs uh, no, no matter what. So, but I hear what you're saying. Can we sneak up on one of these teams who may underestimate the Lakers. And then all of a sudden the Lakers do what the Orlando magic just did to the LA Clippers. We won a game. We weren't supposed to win just one time. If, if, if the magic can beat the Clippers with no Aaron Gordon, you know, with no Evan Fournier, uh, Evan Fournier and no Vucevic and pretty much Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba. I mean, come on, we, we, we gotta, we gotta be able to pull out a win against, you know, I, I specifically want that Brooklyn game, but <laughs> hey, I, I, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So I'll take Don't make me I pull can. an Edna Kerbopel from The Simpsons on you. Ha! R.I.P. Marsha Wallace. She was the voice of Edna Yo, Chris, Yo, Chris Camillo has some of the best references I've ever come across. <laughs> and I knew everybody knows who, who he's talking about. If you don't know who Edna Kerbopel is, then get your Simpsons game up. But then you got two games against Utah back-to-back and Dallas back-to-back. I like to believe, <laughs> I like to believe that Anthony Davis will be in one of those games. I, I pray to God he'll be back no later than the 24th because we'll get into it in a little bit. Actually, we'll, we'll switch topics in a little bit. But I think that the Lakers, it's a good chance that they could be in the play-in. And if somehow they aren't, then just give the MVP to to LeBron James because this team is headed for the play-in, no questions asked right now. Well, as we await, I'm not ready to throw in that towel yet, but you're right. I mean, it's a brutal Western Conference. And I think the reason why I'm not ready to throw in that towel yet is because on any given night, any of these top five, six, seven teams can be beaten. And we've been seeing it. We've seen teams go down. We saw Minnesota beat the Phoenix Suns. We've seen... Um, we've seen some of these lower bottom feeding teams beat some of these elite teams. So, I mean, you just never really know, but as we await AD's return, because it sounds like he'll be the first one back out of the big two, I I, I would love to see AD two back meaning Andre Drummond. So hopefully he'll be back some point on this road trip right now. He's been day to day. It was definitely good to see him travel. It was good to see him dunking. I don't know if that was just for, uh, for photo purposes only for the gram or what, but it was definitely good to see him up in the air. That means that that toe has got to be showing some sort of improvement, but at the same point in time, yeah, you, you don't want that situation to get worse, but even just getting a guy like Drummond back just so he can get some reps in. Cause he only played what 14 minutes in that Milwaukee game before they shut him down in the second half. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't look that great in that time period either. Yeah, Giannis got we, the best of him a, a, a few times. That is but, a tough game to, to yeah, make your debut no, in. Not no a team that big, that skilled. Brooke Lopez, you have to go up against on both ends. Step, I mean, that stepping is all on your foot, getting your toenail ripped off. Oh, I mean, guys, guys got, I mean, that's a serious injury, believe it or not. Like that, me, yeah. there's, there's a nerve that goes up under your toenail. And if, and if it gets stepped on the wrong way or something wrong with that nerve, you can lose all feeling and that part of your toe or that part of your foot. So dude, I've lost a fingernail. It hurts like heck, man. Those first few weeks, it it hurts like heck before the nail starts to actually grow back again. And I've lost my middle fingernail. I've lost a pinky nail. I've never, I think I've lost a pinky toe, which really wasn't that bad, but you lost a pinky toe, pinky toe. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) Look, I'm blessed enough to not ever have had any nails ripped off in my lifetime. So yeah, I can't tell you what it feels like, but I would imagine it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. So right. I, you know, if, if Andre Drummond even does play tomorrow, then or on Tuesday, then I, 
I'll more hats off to him. I, that's you see, hear me stuttering over my words because I don't know what to say about it because that's just, that's just nasty, man. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I hope he's doing well. I mean, I was just glad to see that the injury wasn't more serious, but it's one of those situations where you put your face in your hands, like, my goodness, can we catch a break here, please? Can we catch a break here with these lower body injuries? Because between LeBron's, you know, freak occurrence with the high ankle sprain, Solomon Hill rolling into him to Brooke Lopez coming down on Drummond's toe, which may have been a pre-existing issue that Lopez just made worse or, you know, AD's, you know, right calf tendinosis on the Achilles. It's just been one thing after another. Now, Wesley Matthews has been out you know, with the neck contusion, we'll see what his status is uh, early on in this, uh, on this road trip. And he was starting to play fairly well, you know, both ends of the floor uh, starting to knock down a few shots, but yeah, I mean, right now I would love to see Andre Drummond just back in that lineup, just so we also have another option to go to offensively somebody else. So you could run some offense through someone else who could be a solid paint protector, grab those rebounds, uh, and and just attract a little bit more attention from the defense to free up some space for guys like Kuzma, THT, Schroeder, Trez have more room out there to operate. That's if nothing else. That that's another uh, aspect that that Drummond brings to the table. Yeah, and he shares the ball well too. From the little bit that we were, yeah, from the little bit that we were able to see him, he actually does share the ball well. And and you know, I like the way he moves on the court, and you know. I, can't get too, couldn't get too used to it, but I'm excited to see what Drummond can be uh, for our team moving forward. But the play-in starts on the 18th of May. I'm of the belief, yeah, we haven't kept, caught a break really all season, um, but as long as the Lakers can get three solid weeks, they've only practiced 13 times all season, right? I feel like if we can just get at least three solid weeks prior to May 18th, with LeBron James, just a fully healthy squad, all you have to do is get hot at the right time. Yeah, This is still the NBA. So if the Lakers can get hot at the right time and get at least in somewhat of a group, then we'll have a better chance. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with everybody picking us to say, oh, if the Lakers are healthy, then they'll just run the table either way. No, the game doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it, it, unless, it doesn't. unless you're the Washington Nationals in 2019. You know, they got in as a wild card team. They weren't your prototypical wild card team. And they almost got eliminated that first night. But what happened? They, they survived and won in dramatic fashion against uh, Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Brewers. That propelled them into the divisional round against the Dodgers. They survived a 2-1 series deficit, one loss away from elimination to take a game five on the road. And what happened that propelled them to the world series and ultimately to a world series championship. Sometimes if you get your big guns back at the right time and start playing well, now you could maybe do something, but you're right. It's risky, especially in this Western conference, because if you go in through the play-in, even with all your guns, they're healthy. If you come out and have a bad performance, your season is done. There's no chance at repeating. You're done. You're out. So, so, go ahead. so should we, should we just like tell people, a lot of people don't really know how it works, right? Like, so we, the Lakers have fallen to the fifth seed now, right? Yeah. So they don't have home court advantage. And they're half of, a game half, up on, uh, as on of Portland. now, yeah. exactly. They're half a game up on Portland and they would have to lose at least two of the next three or three of the next five and Dallas who's playing much better these days yeah Dallas um, playing good I don't think the Lakers will fall to the eighth ninth tenth or seed or anything like that but I think they could fall as far as seventh especially with the way that Dallas is playing so in case you don't know right seven would play the eight seed nine would play the 10 seed the loser of the nine seed playing the 10 seed would play I'm sorry the winner of that would play the loser of the seven seed and the eight seed and how it works is you, it's a three-game series. If you're the higher seed, you only have to win one game. If you're the lower seed, then you have to win two of three. So, God, they make this so difficult to, it, to follow. It, it, it's it, silly. Look, seven plays ten, eight plays nine. Whoever wins gets the two spots. Done. <laughs> God, you guys just try to make stuff so difficult where it's like, hey, you're the lowest. Are you, Debbie Downer? No, but Come it's on. it's stupid though. 
in baseball, they make it easy. Hey, wild card, one game, whoever wins, you, you, you take on the number one seed in, in the AL or NL. Keep the it way I just simple. thought about it, it does suck for the, t- for the seventh and the eighth seed because it pretty much guarantees that one of the spots is more than likely, just the way that it's set up, nine and 10 are, are, is more than likely going to get the eighth spot. Couldn't even be the seventh spot if they, you know, if they both win. So, I mean, both nine and 10 could slide up to seven and eight. So it's a lot of stuff going on, but ultimately. I think it's too early though, still to start looking at the standings right now. You just got to focus on, because that's going to start messing even more with guys' heads. If you start looking at standings and they start feeling even more pressure, I'm not saying don't pay attention to it. I'm saying though, you can't have that on the whiteboard in the locker room. No, 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 no. I'm not saying have it on the whiteboard, but you, it has to be something that you think about or talk about maybe amongst yourselves, maybe not in the setting of the, of the team group, you know, in official film, film study session, but these guys have group chats. These guys practice together. Frank Vogel isn't in every single meeting that they have or every single conversation. So I'm sure that they're talking about it because at the end of the day, they're already 50 games into a 72 game season. And a month from now, you'll be pretty much a week away from the playoffs. What are you yeah. smoking at? Yeah, no, it's it <laughs> looks like Metal World is on with Jim Hill interviewing Johnny Juzang from UCLA. So I okay. thought that was that was kind of cool. And I was like, hey, Meta looks Meta looks good, man. Glad hey, to he's see doing you. he's doing his media thing. He's doing yeah. his media. Him and his brothers, brother Daniel, good guy. They're, they're he's actually launching a podcast network. He's getting credentialed. So you know, glad to see that the Artest brothers are out there doing their thing as we digress. But yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying, man. You're right. It does need to be in the back of their minds because that sense of urgency could be also be a powerful weapon for you where it's like these games mean more to us now than they do to some of our opponents who are probably sitting pretty in the two or three seed or whatnot. So they've got to go out there and continue to do their thing. But seeding is something that all these teams in the West have got to worry about in some capacity. Portland's got to make sure they don't slide out. They were in the play in last year and I, they needed every single situation to go their, their way just to make it in. They needed Dame, heroic you know one dame heroic uh after another to get in there so uh you're right you don't want to slide too far down but unfortunately this is the hand you've been dealt and you know you start saying to yourself at what point do they start pushing guys back and i don't think they're going to do that for the reason that i mentioned before you don't want to sacrifice next season and this season by pushing guys back too early that's how competitive the season is. You are one sprained ankle away from being from on your star player from being either top half of the conference down to the play-in or in the play-in down to out of the playoffs. Right. Like you are one sprained ankle away. So that's just how the NBA works. And it hasn't just been this year. It's pretty much every year. That's that's why we play these games and that's why these players get paid the millions and trillions of dollars that they do. So <laughs> I like how you went from millions to trillions, no billions, millions to trillions. <laughs> no, you're right, man. So we're, we're going to have to wait and see, but this road trip is going to be very telling to see where they're going to come out of uh, and, and how far down they'll be, depending on how the trip goes. Are they going to be in the six, seven spot by, by the time uh, this trip is over with uh, this very long seven game road trip? that you're going to have to go through without Anthony Davis and LeBron James, it's going to be very, very tough. And there's pretty much no gimmies, even Tuesday night against uh, Toronto. That is not a gimme by any means. So it's very possible. You can go two and five or even one and six, very possible. So we shall see what they can do on this road trip. It's going to be very telling. And then where this will we'll obviously revisit the standings after that and see where they're at and, and what they need to do in order to, uh, get out of that plans type situation. If so they can win two of these next five, that'll be sufficient. Like Maybe. that's literally that's literally the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is if they lose off all of these next five, which would put us square in that plan. So yeah, yeah. Let's get, uh, let's get a couple. Let's get a couple. Let's go. Yeah. So we'll, we shall see what the situation is with Drummond. How this offense is going to step it up. If this defense can maintain. But yeah, there's definitely a lot to look to look forward to and, and definitely a lot to keep eye on, including their final roster spot. Uh, Lakers have one more roster spot. There's belief that they could add somebody by the end of this week. We've heard a lot of names, but a lot of guys 
it's really cooled down now. Uh, guys like Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless and Kelly Olenek, guys that everyone thought were going to be bought out, have not been bought out. Hassan Whiteside has not been bought out. Uh, Otto Porter has not been bought out. But there was somebody who was waived recently from the Houston Rockets, Ben McLemore, a very talented scorer, former lottery pick of the Sacramento Kings. He's bounced around throughout the NBA in the G League. I think he also played overseas for, for a short time. This is a streaky shooter who's had some great performances in the past against the Lakers. We talked about how the Lakers could use some more scoring, some more shooting. Would you be willing to take a flyer, uh, Chaz, on Ben McLemore right now? No. <laughs> I, I, just, I just hate how everybody who is available is linked to the Lakers. Everybody. Anybody that's, a, that's, that's available that has a pulse is always linked. And quite frankly, I think that Bresnahan – you know, obviously has great sources and pointed out somebody, Mike, uh, Mike Bresnan of Spectrum Sportsnet. He always has some, some good stuff to say. And I know, you know, BT um, gets on him a little bit and, you know, Robert Ory gives him a hard time, but he's a good guy and he's got good, good sources, but I don't know about this Ben Malcolmore thing. Like you said, he's a streaky shooter and he's not known for defense at all. So the yeah, last thing, a little pedestrian, yeah. The last thing the Lakers need is somebody who plays inconsistent de- defense and is a streaky shooter. We already we got enough of those already as is in KCP sure. and, and Kyle Kuzma at the moment. Um, Kyle Kuzma needs to get a stroke back. He can't be airballing free throws. You know, we give you a pass on the first one. It was all fun in games, but you know you can't be doing that on national TV on Easter Sunday, missing free throws and not even hitting the rim. So yeah, that was that was definitely disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to point that out. Look, as good as good as and as much as a homer as, as I am and how I'm always going to talk about the great things that these players do, I got to point out some of the bad. That makes no sense, you know, so. Yeah, get, and he quickly gets a free throw game up. And he quickly came back down to earth. I mean, he had one of his more impressive performances again of the season against Sacramento, 30 points. He was just slicing and dicing that Sacramento defense with the outside shooting, driving uh, to the basket, finishing at the rim. I mean, he did it all in that game. But yeah, and then he followed up against a uh, with basically a dud. I mean, six points, two of ten shooting was just awful. Didn't never really score, got into. How you score thirty and then not even ten in the well, next game? It goes to show you though the Clippers, even though their defense hasn't been great this year, when you have to go up against guys like Kawhi Leonard and you know Marcus Morris and Paul George, solid defenders like that. Patrick and Patterson too. Yeah, well, well Patrick big Patterson. guys. He's a big yeah, right. I mean, they they threw a lot of guys at them, but once again, the this is what we're talking about. Beating a team like Sacramento, yeah, it's impressive because you're shorthanded, but then it's like you see the difference between playing a team like that and playing the Milwaukee's and the Clippers. And we're going to see the two New York teams and Miami. And even this Toronto team is not going to be an easy win at all. And they got a lot of long, agile, athletic defenders. They play solid defense. They're well coached. So they know what these, you know, what, what teams like the Lakers are want to do and who to take away. Because now it's like, we don't have to worry about LeBron. We don't have to worry about Anthony Davis, you know, Drummond, assuming he plays, we haven't really seen enough, but uh, we know who to take out for this Laker team and who we're, we're willing to have beat us for, for one night. And chances are those guys aren't going to beat us. It's going to be a long month. I'm looking at the schedule and we play every, I mean, the majority of the season has been like this, but right. we play every other. The next time that the Lakers get more than one day off in a row isn't until April the 20, April the 20th. They're off between the 20th and the 22nd. That's the next time that they're going to get a couple days off until then it's either sink or swim guys. So critical times, man, we are in yeah, critical I, times. right. I, I don't, I don't think there's a player available. That's going to be able to stop the bleeding. Um, like was, that. We have to be able to do that from within internally. Yeah. And not to mention this could be an opportunity to throw out Alfonso McKinney a little bit more. He's a decent defender, decent outside shooter. I don't think a guy like Ben McLemore, I agree with you. I don't think he's a major upgrade to what you already have. I, but as far as if West now here, here's what I will say. If Wesley Matthews, if this neck injury continues to be lingering or forces him to miss significant time, then you may need somebody to plug in, you know, if McKinney takes that spot, you need somebody to take in McKinney's spot, right? Just to have that extra depth. So that's why I would say consider taking a flyer on McLemore or somebody else who becomes available. Right. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens and we'll see if there's anybody that else that becomes available, you know, as time goes on, right? Because there is no limit to this. Like there's no deadline, essentially. Yeah. Um, the Lakers can pick up anybody at any time. So um, Rob Palenka has always been able to have the fact that he loves the flexibility and having that type of flexibility, which is the first thing that he did when he got rid of D'Angelo Russell and Tim Timofey Mozgov to be able to have the flexibility. Um, and that's what we have now. So right. let's, let's keep that spot open and just kind of see what could possibly fall in our laps like Drummond did. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we'll see AD two back out there for the Lakers really soon, because I know the Lakers could definitely use him. but it's all hands on deck. Everybody's got to step it up. Everyone's got to, uh, you know, do their part, both ends of the floor. I'm glad to see their defense has still not dropped off. Uh, but I mean, what good is that? I hate to say this, but what good is that if you're not taking care of, of your situation on offense with the turnovers, the missed threes and just lacking rhythm and any sort of uh, continuity and consistency. Who's the number one player that you're looking at with a side eye right now on the Lakers? Obviously they're all not playing great, but who, who are you looking at the most? Like, mm, I don't know. That's a tough one. KCP has been the guy that I would like to see more out of. He had a great performance against Sacramento, 13 points, 10 rebounds. I'd like to see him just get more involved, get, be more aggressive. That's what these guys need to do. Be more aggressive, play with more confidence. And I, I think it becomes a situation of good ball movement, knowing what you want to do, cutting down on the turnovers, and you got to make more threes. If you are out there and you are 0 for 6 from downtown and your opponent is like, six for nine or six for 10, like the Clippers were at one point in time, then yeah, you're probably going to lose that game because you, you have to be able to make threes at a high level if you're going to win. So See, and that's good. No, no I, I I'm, I'm with you on that. And I was just like that up until I'd probably say the day after we recorded this podcast, the Bucks game uh, last week, the Bucks game uh, where the Lakers have just sputtered since, even though they won that game against Sacramento, I'm looking, I was just, I was on board with you. I was looking at KCP. I was looking at him sideways as many, you know, along with Mark Gasol and, and a few others, but sure. even, I, even Alex Caruso at times, but yeah, Caruso's had a lot of bonehead plays, man. And he I, had, he, yeah, he, I, he has a lot of turnovers as well. It is. And, and the thing is, it's like that backup guard spot, which would normally be Schroeder's, even though Schroeder's starting when LeBron would hit the bench, Schroeder would be that backup playmaker. Now if Schroeder's out of the game. Who do you have run the offense? THT, who's mostly out there looking for his own shot, or Caruso, who's not really a true point guard, more of an of, of a utility guard, basically the Kike Hernandez of of point guards, if you want to call it that. He's a Swiss Army knife, but he's not a legitimate playmaker that could organize the offense. That's the issue. So that's where you're seeing the offense sputter at times is in that second quarter when Dennis Schroeder goes out of the game for an extended period of time and get and, getting that initial rest. And that's the player that I'm looking at. It was KCP, but now my focus, my sole focus, especially since you asked him for a hundred million dollars. Right. Okay. So if you look you asked him for a hundred million dollars, you better believe you're going to be up under a microscope, especially when LeBron James and Anthony Davis aren't in the lineup mm -hmm. and a point guard isn't measured by what numbers that they put up. They are measured by the game flow and how you control the game and the pace of the game and getting people into the right positions. You want $100 million, but you're worried about getting numbers up, but your team's playing like trash offensively, and you can't figure it out. You can't be a floor general without LeBron James on the, on the floor. So that's why I'm looking at Dennis Schroeder in that, in that light and why, you know, I'm, I'm looking to see, man, what's going to happen here? Because I, I can't picture us paying, you turn down $21 million, you want more? I can't pay you $25 million to, to not even be able to run my offense like a well-oiled machine if LeBron James is, isn't, in the, isn't in the lineup. For sure. And I think it goes a little bit beyond that, though. It, I figured he was going to turn down the extension as a formality. I think he wants to go through the free agent process. Dennis Schroeder's never been a free agent. He spent, what, five years in, in Atlanta, another two in Oklahoma City. He signed an extension in between those times. So, I mean, he's never actually been a free agent, which is why you see that a lot of guys turn down extensions. I think it's not just a money thing. Let me go through this process. Let me bet on myself and see what the market w looks like for me. And it's, it's a just, soft market coming into the summer. It's Kawhi and everybody else, basically. 
it's just the timing of it, right? Like last week, last what Tuesday or Wednesday is when it dropped or when you know Brian reported when it got reported it could have happened all we don't know the context of when exactly it happened it could have happened back in December it could have happened last week we don't know when exactly it happened but for the timing for it to drop like that or for it to be reported on I don't know it makes me think like did the Lakers leak that to say hey look he turned this money down and look how he's playing right or 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 did or did Schroeder's agent link leak that and it's like hey I'm looking for a hundred million dollars come get me like then you know what at this point, and I told Jonathan this, I agree with what you're saying. If the Lakers did do that, then they're making themselves out to basically be like, hey, pressure's on him. We did our job. We're not being cheapskates. Four for 84 was was the max we could offer in an extension. So he turned that down. Oh, so I didn't he, know that was the max that we could offer. Yes, that's what I heard from other other sources. Oh, wow. Four we, for 84. Every dollar that we could possibly offer him within the time frame that we could offer to when we did, and he turned it down. Apparently so. Apparently All right. So from my understanding of the rules, that, that's the, that is part of the CBA where it's like when it comes to extensions on active contracts, that is the most you are authorized. Now, I don't know how it worked in Milwaukee with Drew Holiday or whatnot. You know, I'm not a capologist. I don't know all the ins and outs of the CBA. That's why I have guys like Eric Pincus on my podcast so he could educate me. So, yeah, if you're on Twitter, follow Bobby Marks, follow Eric Pincus because chances are they know a lot more about the bird right issues and what you're authorized to go over the cap for and hard cap and all that stuff. That stuff is like trying to learn a foreign language to, to me sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's eligibility based off of service time in the league, as well right. as any accolades that you may have had. So Drew sure. holiday has, definitely has more accolades than Dennis Schroeder. So he's eligible for, for exactly yeah. for, for, for a larger ex- extension. So that's, that's really the reason why, but man, every dollar that we possibly could, and he still turned it down. He and turned then, it down because I think at the end of the day, he could hey. sell this stuff. I want it to be fair. Yeah, I want to be a Laker. No, dude, you want to be a free agent. You're fair betting for- on yourself to yeah. have a fantastic season and more importantly, a fantastic postseason. Because if you have a fantastic postseason, somebody is going to probably back up the Brinks truck for you, potentially. But if you have, but if you have a bad one, right? Well, that's or, the thing, or, though. Or, or if you get hurt, hey, I... I'm with everybody true, trying true. to about the I am with everybody right. trying to get as many dollars as they possibly can sure. and betting on themselves because that's what I do for myself on you know right. a daily basis with every move that I made. So I'm I'm with that. But my thing is okay, we'll perform like it then. And when we need it most, and this is when we need it most. Yeah. Not the absolute I, most. Obviously I, at the end of May and in June is when we need it really the most. But right now, I mean, shoot, right. I, this is this is as grind time as it gets the rubber meets the road you it, it does gonna get in the play on in the plane or are you gonna get home home court advantage we'll see you are the most talented playmaker on this roster at the moment no lebron no anthony davis it comes down to you heck even if anthony davis was still out there there would still be pressure on you to go out there and and organize this offense and be a playmaker and attack and try to collapse the defense and create opportunities for your teammates so that's the thing uh, it still it would fall on you regardless whether Davis is out there or not because Davis is a big man. He's not going to be you know uh, bringing up the ball ninety four feet. No, that's your job as the guard. So here it is, put up or shut up. That's what it's going to come down to. So clearly, Schroeder is you know is betting on himself and trying to make a statement not just to the Lakers but to the league. Like, hey, this is who I am, man. I may not have the household cachet that I may not be a household name or have the same cachet as Dame or Steph or Westbrook or Lowry or any of these other great point guards we've seen a John Morant or De'Aaron Fox, Luca, but I could still go out there and, and, and handle my business and help my team win ball games. So now's your opportunity, man, because it's not, you know, the playoff situation could be very different than we all anticipate with this playing situation and how far they could slide. So what you need to do right now, if you really want to make your money, keep this team afloat during this critical juncture, because if you don't, then the Lakers, I, I don't think would miss him. Should he walk? No doubt. So we'll see what happens, man. No doubt at all. I think they'll miss him because there's not too many other playmakers, but like, like, the Laker fans always have a saying, or I personally have a saying, and we all do. And Rob, we trust. So he'll get it done. He's shown us many times over. And, hey, he's ruthless. 
and he's got the relationships to do it as well. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know that Drummond was a was an ex client of his. You know, I had to find who, that out. Who, when, who did right? I mean, we they, don't when always... they signed him. So yeah, it's... he's got the he's got those relationships. He certainly does, man. So that about does it for us on uh, this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. Thank you for tuning in every week. I know we're in some weird times right now with this Laker team, but uh, we we got you, Laker Nation. We're gonna try to provide any insight and updates and any sort of positive vibes, even if they coincide with our negative vibes, we're still trying to put out some positive energy and some optimism, right, Chaz? Let me just say this. I know I, I, I keep it real on, the, on this podcast. I'm not going to just tell, be a homer and just tell you guys what you want to hear, right? You're going to hear everything. You're going to hear the good and the bad. And you're going to hear probably more bad than good right now because that's just how the team is playing. But I say all that to say, Lakers are going to be fine, man. As long as they get into the playoffs, right? As long as they get into a seven game series and they're at least 85% or more healthy, they don't even have to be hundred mm. percent. If they ha- at least have everybody and everybody's at least 85 to 90% or more healthy, the Lakers should be favored in that series. Will they win? We don't know. That's why we play the games, but right. should they be okay? Yes. And I'll leave you with that. Well said, my friend. So yeah, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, uh, follow at Showtime Forum. Uh, we have a new podcast coming every week or so we, we strive for. Uh, oh, you, can also, you can also follow us on social media on, on our Twitter feed uh, at Showtime under, underscore forum. Also on Instagram at Showtime Forum. You could also follow me at Chris underscore Camelo on Twitter, C Camelo one on Instagram and Camelo's corner by Chris Camelo on Facebook. Chaz, how can they follow you? My friend, you guys know where to get at me on Instagram at Chaz P and on Twitter at Chaz Pearson. Well, thanks again, Laker nation for tuning in tough road trip coming up. Chaz and I will be back with y'all soon. Be healthy, be safe out there. Things are starting to look up, but definitely uh, continue to take care of yourselves. Yeah, hopefully the Lakers win at least one of these next three, Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn. By the time we record again, I need at least one of those three. Please, Lakers. I just <laughs> hey, I'm, right, I'm right there. I'm right there with you, man. All right, take care, everybody. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace. Peace.